All right, everybody, welcome back in. It is the Stewcast, another episode. We're talking college basketball coming up. My co-host Spencer Luganville will join me. We'll take a look at some of the games for tomorrow, but we lead off with the capo de tuta copy of Cougine, if you can call him that. He has been a great friend to uh, this show and um, a really great guy with his time. He is the host of the Sit Down, a Mafia History podcast. If you don't get it, I mean, go get it. Uh, it's available everywhere. You get podcasts. Also, doing the Lord's work with college basketball, the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau. Jeff, so good to see you. So good to talk to you, brother. Thank you for having me, as always. I appreciate it. How are you? I'm doing good, man, and and congrats on all the success. You had a successful Super Bowl. I know the sit-down is well over the, the million uh, listens mark here at this point. Um, congratulations on the success. It seems like uh, things are going well. Your college basketball season going well as well. I mean, life can't get any better, huh? Yeah, and, you know, I actually had some really great news today in my personal life. I, uh, I finally got approved for a mortgage, so I'm um... – Congratulations. Thanks, man. Now it's just really about finding the house that uh, I want. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, this year, I, I guess that's obviously a goal. And, and my second goal is to, you know, I think, get get the sit down sold. You know, I think it really belongs in a bigger platform and, you know, we'll see where the future holds. But yeah, things are going well with everything. Um, I'm very happy with with how it's all worked out. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward this summer to just kind of, um, you know, once basketball's over, um, you know, I'll take on a little baseball work and outside of that, just, uh, you know, kind of have a nice summer and prepare for the, uh, for the next season. So, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I need to say thank you for Hartford. Uh, that was an amazing call and, uh, you know, should Creighton hold on to the 17 point lead, I owe the big man, uh, a ton of gratitude on that. Yeah. Well, look, um, I go over the card every day. Um, it's an arduous task, uh, generally on Saturdays because there's so many games. But, um, you know, I try to provide something different. You know, I feel like I, I, I kind of know what to look for. And, um, yeah, there's um, – I'm kind of swinging out. And I, I'm, I'm sure it went to overtime because I'm just unlucky. But yeah. I'm swinging out yet another IUPUI team total under. Um, now I, I could be wrong. I, I may have lost this. I don't have it in front of me. I'm seeing 53 57 with three seconds to go. As long as we don't get some late basket here, I'm going to hit this. So, you know, that's a play I've been making, you know, for months. Uh, and I, everybody was like, oh, we're going to bet that. Right. And I'm like, I I'm staying away. UIC scares me too much. They are. I mean, well, the thing is, uh, they're the only team that gave up 60 or more points this year to IUPUI. Now, the difference with that team that scored 65 that night was um, they were a team with way more players. They only have six players right now so far. So, you know, they're a different team. I hear you. I think tonight it was obviously scary to get involved with. But the truth of the matter is, you know, this team hitting 55 is a landmark thing. So <laughs> hopefully we don't get unlucky here and, and it comes in again. You're absolutely right there. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I mean, I, I heard it on VEASAN today and you, you'd be the guy to ask on this. You know, conventional wisdom says that this point in time, all uh, the books get sharper, the numbers get tighter. People have been complaining about it on uh, – your Saturday show you do on YouTube, which we'll, we'll, we'll circle the wagons back to. 
Um, do you find it that that's the case, or do you think that there's just more data out there? So yeah, the lines are going to be a little bit tighter, but there's still value. Uh, you cut out at the beginning. Can you repeat the question? No, I was just saying that the, uh, the everybody complains that the lines get tighter, that Vegas gets right. smarter, especially at this point in the season. Do you find that to be the case? Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I think for me, I just have teams that I kind of bet on and bet against, and I, and I kind of run with that. Do I think they get tighter? I guess a little bit. You know, there's every game is different. Every situation is different. I guess a little bit as, as the season goes on. Sure. That makes sense. Speaking of, by the way, horrific. I don't know what happened in the UI. Uh, no, I won. I had 54 and a half. Oh, Jesus. Congrats. Well, that that's why you get the number early. Well, I actually, I, it's, it's interesting. I actually bet it right before tip with 54 and a half on FanDuel. Wow. Wow. That, well, hell of a win. You know, the, the big man deserves it. Needs to get that house. Um, Thank you. <laughs> so you've been saying a lot, and I, I, I watch your BetUS show every day, Monday through Friday. Go check it out, the BetUS show on YouTube. Um, and, and you've made this point ad nauseum, but, like, there's just conferences that there's too much parity. There's no consistency. I'm thinking of the Big East. Um, when I say this, but for me, I, I'm starting to feel like I want to lump the Big Ten in there as well, because it seems like any given night, anybody can win, any kind of outcome can happen. How, how do you approach conferences that are so tricky versus ones that you'll want to bet more consistently? Like, well, what, just... what's the factor there? I just don't bet them really. I mean, the big East, I just don't bet. I think it's really difficult. I don't have a good read on it and uh, I don't bet it much, you know, big 10. I don't bet a ton as the season goes on. You know, I might attack something, you know, like a Purdue team total that I like, or, or maybe Iowa or something like that. But um, for me, it's, it's, I think the, the, the way you can beat college basketball is two ways, betting a lot of mid and low majors. And, you know, if you're going to bet a high major, finding the spots that I've bet time and time again, where you have a home team getting points or maybe a small favorite and the line doesn't make sense. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, you know, so for instance, Baylor might go on the road to Kansas state and, you know, be a two point number, something like that. The line doesn't make a lot of sense. Why is Baylor only a two point favorite? Um, it's, it's a spot that you see quite often, you know, Kansas will go on the road and be a, a one and a half point dog to Texas. Now on paper, Kansas is better than Texas, but Texas may need a huge win and they're at home and they're in a good spot. Um, those are the kind of spots I look for big 10 sec. Um, I just kind of live by them and, and I'm always going to be betting the dog in that game, the home team. And uh, it's not going to be easy, but a lot of the time you're going to get out of there with a win. We saw it with Auburn, Arkansas. I had that game circled for a couple of weeks. I told people on Patreon, I told anyone that would listen, that's the spot where Auburn's going to lose. It's a tough spot in Fayetteville. That's exactly what happened. So um, you really just need to, um, you know, kind of understand how all this all works. And, you know, when you get into some professional sports, betting on stuff like that, I mean, you kind of look at that the, the, the totally different way where it's all about the number. I, I don't care about it at all who's playing from a game-to-game -game basis in the NBA. Um, so when you look at college hoops uh it's a little bit more uh you know if you just stay with low and mid majors you, you'll do well and, and just those home dogs in, in the big uh, conferences 
speaking of certain teams and that Arkansas team, you know, you've been banging their drum for, for a month at least, uh, if not longer. Uh, what about this Arkansas team makes you, you know, so compelled to, you know, put it out there that this is your pick in the SEC or, or a team that to even maybe look at in a future uh, setting? Yeah, I think in a future base, they're really good. I mean, they're a great price. Well, they play with a lot of pace. I think offensively, they're, um, they're solid. They're not, you know, an incredible. They're not bad. They're just really decent. You know, Note's a good player. I think Jalen Williams is one of the best two-way players in the country. They're deep. Um, they can shoot the basketball. And I know some of their numbers haven't necessarily showed it, but I think what it matters most, um, they're going to hit some shots. And, you know, you look at from the, on the glass, I mean, they're terrific. They're a big offensive rebounding team. They get to the free throw line. They're really kind of a throwback type of team. I mean, the most of their offense is going to come in the half court in transition. They don't take a lot of threes. You look at their three-point field goal attempt rate, it's, it's quite low, like 279. That means they're taking a lot of quality shots. And that's one of the things that between last year and this year I really like with this team. You know, last year I thought their shot selection was really poor. Um, 218th in assist to field goals this year, 101st. They're taking a lot better shots. Their guard play is a lot better. And Williams has matured into a really good two-way player. You put him in the middle of a defense, it's going to be very tough to get to the hoop and, and score. He's a tough, dogged kid. He's got a lot of experience. And, you know, you look at the big thing with this team, and it's been the main difference for their success defensively. They're the number one defense in the SEC. They're 20th overall in defensive efficiency. You look at the difference in this year's team with last year's. Um, these last two years of defense has been terrific for Arkansas. You go back to 2020, you know, this team is 11th in the SEC in defensive efficiency. This year, first, uh, they've made some major moves ahead defensively and that's the big reason for their success um i think they're a really dangerous team in uh in march um we, you know obviously you need some consistency on the road they've been able to get it you know, they've went and won at old miss they went and won at lsu they went and won at all or at uh georgia they 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 don't get tripped up by bad teams they went into you know neutral sites against k-state and cincinnati two top 80 teams and one so I, I think this is a really dangerous team i think what matters most they're really talented. Going from really talented to, to really befuddling. Uh, there, we, I brought up the Big Ten, and, and this is a Big Ten-centric show coming from, uh, you know, a lot of Midwest folks uh, on here. I'll ask you about two teams I, I just can't figure out. One, one being Michigan and the other being uh, Rutgers, who plays like the 92 Dream Team at home, but on the road is – you know, the, I mean, IUPUI with some different jerseys. How do you, how do we look at these two teams? What's your opinion? Do both, because ESPN today came out and said, hey, you know, both are on the bubble, but, you know, they're, they're right there, nip and tuck to get in. Yeah, I'm out on Rutgers. I, I, I don't think there's any way they get in. I mean, obviously, any night in the Big Ten, you have an opportunity to, to get a quad one win most of the time. They've got a couple of big games coming up. I mean, if they don't win one of two games over the week uh, to this, I think they're out. All due respect, winning at Indiana or Penn State or, or, or something like that, that's not going to really move the needle. They've got to beat Illinois or Purdue. Uh, and it looks like Illinois is going to be the opportunity. I don't even know if they get that, they get in. This is a team that lost to Lafayette. They lost to UMass. They lost to DePaul. I mean, DePaul is terrible. Uh, this is a team that lost to Northwestern. 
this team that lost to Minnesota, this team that lost to Maryland, Penn State, this team's just lost too many tough games. And, and as you alluded to, you know, this team can't win on the road. They've been a complete mess away from home for years now under Steve Peichel. Um, they don't have a ton of, you know, offense ever. The production sucks on that end. This don't shoot the ball real well. As far as Michigan, I think they have a better chance to get in over Rutgers. Um, the problem that they have is they're just not consistent, you know, and you're from that neck of the woods. It seems like anytime they get a big win, they shoot themselves in the foot uh, with a loss. Um, and, and I don't really know how to swing it. It's weird. Look at this team. I mean, anytime they have a, a game, like they'll beat UNLV, then lose to Arizona. They'll beat Tarleton State, then lose to North Carolina. They'll beat Nebraska, then lose to Minnesota. I mean, every time they win, they lose the next game. There's no consistency. Defensively, they're not good enough. They're 13th in the Big Ten in two-point defense. That's not something you've seen a lot at Michigan. They just haven't been very good on that end. Um, Hunter Dickinson's been really the only success that they've had. Their point guard play has been bad. Um, they haven't got a ton of production out of their big recruits that I think they were hoping for. Um, yeah, I think they have a better shot than Rutgers, but, you know, Michigan has to start winning games and being consistent. They need to go, you know, for the rest of the season, they need to go, you know, if they have seven games. They need to, they need to win four or five of them. They've got a lot of opportunities. They need to win two or three of these big top 20 opportunities. You know, I wanted to ask you too, real quickly on, on Dickinson. He's a guy who flirted with the NBA last year, came back. I imagine he's going into the into the draft this season. Uh, it, to me, I've always thought he's just Luca Garza 2.0 without an outside shot. What, what's your take on Dickinson's prospects in the NBA? That's a good question. I um, you know, I think he's a little bit more NBA ready than um, than Mr. Garza. I didn't think Garza would get drafted. Uh, he did though, and I got to give him some love for that. I thought he'd be uh, he'd be a guy that wouldn't get there. But yeah, I, you know, it's interesting with uh, with Dickinson. I think he's obviously got the size, um, but you know, he is a bit slow. You know, the def defense is all about the NBA. You got to be willing to go out and pick and pop a little bit, which you know he can do a little bit. I don't know if he's great at it. Um, I know some draft sites that don't have him getting drafted. Interestingly enough, but. Um, you know, I, I think there's always a spot for a kid of his size in the NBA. I mean, he's a six foot or he's a seven foot. I'm sorry. So, you know, I don't know if he has great prospects, but I'm sure he'll get picked, you know, in the, the last 10 or 15 or so. You, you make no bones about it. You are a mid-major and low-major savant, uh, if, if I do say so myself. Um, this is a time of year where it, it – this is where it really feels like there's money to be made in conference tournaments. Um, like we mentioned with the Hartford Vermont game, you know, an outright plus 450 plus 500 winner, uh, knowing that Ryan Davis is out makes a you know world of difference there. What are some teams that you're, you're looking to follow from the mid majors uh, through conference tournament that you're looking at, like, you know, may maybe these teams can do something come March. Uh, well, I mean, they actually lost over the weekend, which, you know, I don't actually hate the loss because it, it was a tough matchup. If you know anything about the conference, I go Wagner. I mean, I, I think Wagner's really tough. I mean, they're going to be a weird team to deal with. I, look, I don't know if they have the ability to pull off an upset, but I'm going to be interested in seeing where they're seated. If they're somehow maybe, uh, I don't know, if 
could they be a 15, it'd be 14 probably? Yeah, I think if they are 14, that's a dangerous team to face. Uh, if you're, you know, uh, you know, a team like Illinois or, or, or someone like that, this Wagner team is well coached. They're going to press the hell out of you. They're a great offensive rebounding team. They're good from the line. They make shots and they defend at a really high level. Um, you know, I just, I like what they do. I mean, they've gotten some, re- they had some really tough results. Beat VCU, a top hundred team. Um, you know, they, they've beaten some really quality competition and hung in for half or, you know, even 30 minutes against good teams. So, you know, I think Wagner's interesting. Um, obviously, Vermont needs to get fully healthy. If they're always going to put a, uh, a scare into a team, um, you know, but some of those low mid majors, obviously, would step out. Longwood, I mean, they're an interesting team out of the yeah, big okay. south, you know, with Griff Aldrich. I mean, this guy was in the private sector at one point. Now he's, you know, a college basketball coach. Um, you know, a team like New Orleans, they're, they're interesting. Um, there, there's a lot of really good teams deep in, in the dredges of, of college hoops. And, um, you know, obviously, I don't know if they could pull off upsets. When you start getting into the 13 seeds, the 12 seeds, I'll tell you what, man, the 13 seeds this year are going to be real, real tough. I mean, you look at a team like South Dakota State, you look at a team like Vermont, you look at a team like, uh, I don't know, Toledo. I mean, these are some really, really good 13 seeds. These four seeds like Texas and Houston and, you know, maybe a team like uh, Villanova. I'm going to call it. I think one of them is going to be an upset alert. These are some good basketball teams. I was shocked, uh, speaking of Toledo, to hear you say a couple days ago that you're actually enjoying the MAC, a conference that you absolutely hate for basketball historically. What What's so great about the MAC outside of the Toledo Rockets? Well, you know, I think it's really more about the regional aspect of it. I mean, it, you know, it's a it's a conference that you know, we obviously know from the football standpoint, but you know, a lot of these little border war games just you know seem to get the juices flowing. So whether it's you know Akron against Kent State or or, or Ohio against Toledo, I mean, th- these are you know interstate matchups that you know I think go a long way. I mean, you look at the top of the MAC right now: Ohio and Toledo, both twelve and two. One's 21 and four, one's 20 and five. You look at Kent State and Akron, they're, they're third and fourth. Then you got Buffalo, a team kind of that's always really near the top of this conference, still fighting it out. You know, Ball State might have something to say about it. You have a team like Bowling Green who's plays super fast and super talented uh, at the guard position. So, you know, and then you have the bottom level groups like Western, Eastern, and Central Michigan that are, they're just kind of uh, there to get beaten up every night. So, I think it's more just the, the rivalries. Like I watched Akron Kent state Friday night. It was awesome. I mean, you look at the game, it came down to the final play and, you know, then the Toledo kids ran over and or not Toledo kids, the uh, Kent state kids ran over and they're flicking off the Akron student section. It was, it was wild. It was a really electric uh, game, but you look at like a team like Toledo, I mean, top 10 in the country in points per game. Um, they hit the glass hard. They're real tough. They shoot the ball. Well, um, it's just a fun conference. And I think there's going to be some weird things that go on in Cleveland in March in a couple of weeks. Last question uh, before we transition here. It's weird to me because it really feels like this year you've been able to identify trends and they haven't gone away. Um, the Toledos, the Vermonts, the IUPUIs, mm-hmm. um, for a good time there, Eastern Illinois. 
there was trends that normally, you know, it may leave in a week or two, but these are season long trends that have really, I have to imagine, really uh, improved the bankroll. But is that just a one off or do you think that this season, as opposed to, let's say, last year, for instance, um, there's just a lot more consistency this year in college basketball? <coughs> I mean, no, I mean, I think a lot of the time, if you, if you know anything about trends from year to year, like they generally stay good the whole season. So like, if you identify something like a couple of years ago, I think it was 2017, 2018, IPFW was just a terrific against the spread team. Um, generally the whole season, they're a terrific against the spread team. So I, uh, I generally will stay with trends. And I think if you identify a trend you like, I mean, you mentioned Eastern Illinois. I mean, yet another team total under came in with that group today. I mean, there, um, you know, there's these you know, Evansville, Eastern Illinois, IUPUI. Um, they're just, they're really inept offensive teams. And I think if you just sit there and bet it every game, you will make money. It's that simple. You can't just jump off because it loses once or twice, but just sticking with it, you know, finding these team totals that they just keep lining low. You know, whether it's Toledo or South Dakota State, um, you know, keeping an eye on things like one of my favorite teams to back right now is uh, the privateers of New Orleans. I mean, this team has been money against the spread, you know, a team like Longwood. They've been you know, they're 14 and six against the number. I mean, identifying these teams that are good and just sticking with them is working. You look at some of the worst teams in the country against the spread, the Pacifics, the Morgan States, the Marshalls, the Drakes, the Sacramento States. Um, you know, if you pick one or two of them and just rock with them, you will win long term. I mean, it's not just a random thing. And again, it's interesting when we identify a bad team against the spread, it, it's almost conceivable to, to, to see that when you look them up, they're going to shoot poorly from the free throw line. I've said for years, it goes hand in hand. You look at Morgan State, the worst team in the uh, country against the spread you know, 321st in free throw percentage. You look at Pacific, the second worst team in the country, 319th in free throw percentage. This stuff all goes hand in hand. Um, you can read, you know, look at a team like Pacific. They're going to be an underdog pretty much every game they play. Away you hang in games, make free throws, rebound the basketball, create extra possessions, that sort of thing. They don't do any of that stuff. There's no reason there. There's a reason they're bad because they don't do the little things. So, yeah, I stick with the things that work. And that's the reason why, you know, Whenever I make bets, I, I bet a lot of the same teams. One, one team real quick that I've liked, um, uh, I bet I've been on them a couple of times, K-State. I had a little thought on them tonight. You know, they play a lot of close games. Now, I think they're a team that I wouldn't mind from game to game if they're a two, three, four-point favorite. You know, sometimes you might have to swallow, lay the 160. It could come down to the wire. Now, luckily tonight, they were able to get the job done, but – they almost didn't get the job done. I mean, it was a five-point game with 20 seconds to go. Luckily, West Virginia turned it over, and, and it didn't matter. But, um, you know, some of these teams, they're just – they're they're good in close games. If they're short dogs, you got to play them. If they're short favorites, you got to play them. Um, you just have to stick with what works. And luckily, I've always been able to retain information quickly, so I don't really have to cap cards. I just kind of know, well, that team's good or that team's not good, and I don't want to back them against the number. I do want to back them. Well, retaining information is going to be key here because let's transition over to the birds. My my new adopted B team in the NFL. Um, I, I as a Lions fan, um, I, I'm I'm tapping out. I've got a B team going to the link. Can't wait. Uh, fly Eagles fly. Uh, coming up this year, 
big draft for you guys. Three first-round picks. What's the ideal scenario for you for the Eagles uh, coming out of this draft? Uh, well, I think um, obviously making the correct selections, which is never easy with this group. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think there's there's growing sentiment that, you know, ever since the Sixers got James Harden, now all of a sudden the Eagles are going to go out and get their big-time quarterback. I heard a lot of talk yesterday about, oh, well, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, that's our next quarterback. And it's, you know, it's it's – I don't know. We'll see. I feel like they have something up their sleeve. But I think that the, the, the thought is just making correct selections. They need a lot of help, particularly on the defensive end. I think they need to go out and get a – Get, get another a receiver. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that in the free agent market or what, but um, you know, they have three big picks and, and I think it's conceivable they could really address their defensive problems, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe they trade a pick and, and move back and, and, and get another pick or something. I don't know. Um, I, I just want three good selections. And, and I think, you know, if I were in control of this team, I would stay where we are and, and, and you can make those picks. I was talking with a, uh, another Philly Mongo over there, uh, and he brought up a wide receiver. And I, I just kind of made the point because I feel like uh, uh, my Lions are in the same boat where if you get a, uh, you know, whether it be Burks or if you love Jahan Dotson, what have you, if you get a wide receiver in that spot, it's kind of like, what do you do? It's like giving like a Bentley to an 80-year-old. Right. It's is Jalen Hurts capable of growing? Is Jared Goff capable of getting the ball to these guys? Do you feel like a wide receiver is something that should be looked at for free agency? Or or do you feel like, you know, Burks or Dotson is a talent that can stick around and the next guy, maybe, um, if it's not Hurts, uh, will be able to use him? Well, I think it's going to be Hurts. Um... You know, and I think they have to continue to, to give the kid a chance because, you know, he actually, I felt, played well this season. And, and we look at someone like Josh Allen, prime example. You know, Josh Allen had a year or two where he was just kind of learning the game. Then they go out and get him Stephon Diggs, and, and he becomes a, a pro bowl, high-level type of quarterback. Now, I'm not saying that's what Jalen Hurts is going to be, but you already got him one weapon. The truth is, though, I mean – Outside of Dallas Goddard, they had nothing on this team last year. It, it was Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. It was that simple. They've got to go out. And in my opinion, I'd prefer that they address the first th three picks or at least the first four picks with three defensive players and an offensive lineman. They have to realize Brandon Brooks is retiring. Jason Kelsey is going to retire either this year or next. Um, I think they got to go out and get a center. Um, but I prefer three defensive players. Um, they need a running back as well. Um, there's a couple of guys that are free agents, particularly Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson. Um, you know, there's all sorts of talent out there. Um, I would love for them to go out and get a player of that caliber. Um, you know, who knows what they're going to do, but there's plenty of options. And, um, you know, I, I prefer some veteran receiver. They haven't had a veteran receiver on this team in a long time. And, um, you know, to put with the young kids uh, and the offensive line and the young quarterback, I think it would be a great situation for – a guy like an Allen Robinson to play in. So we'll see what they end up doing. I'd prefer they go the free agent route for the receiver market. No, that makes sense. No, that, that absolutely makes sense the way you put it. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I think where they're picking in the NFL draft, I'm, I'm quite, uh, I'm quite enamored. I mean, I think they could conceivably go out and get, 
you know, a George, you know, Calafidis, a, a Sauce Gardner, and, you know, maybe a, a, a you know, a Linderbaum, or, you know, if they want to go to the receiver mark, they could get a Jamison Wilson or Jamison Williams, a Drake London, a, a Traylon Burks, you know, and the Kobe Dean, I think will be out there. So I think there's plenty of options for them uh, to make the selection they want. And, you know, it's easier said than done with this team because High Roseman is, is not particularly good drafter, but um, we'll see. We obviously got to see what happens, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling optimistic. Oh, it's not, it's like Nick Sirianni says, you just got to, you know, water the plants in the garden. Um, yeah. <laughs> with quarterbacks. I mean, it's always the big thing here. Uh, is there a quarterback you like in this draft? Cause I, I, I mean, I'm a Bailey Zappi guy. I know you're a Bailey Zappi guy. Is there a quarterback that's worth a damn that in your mind is worth that first round pick? Yeah. You know, I, I think, um, I think Malik Willis could be a great player. I think he has a lot of upside. He kind of reminds me of Jalen Hurts a little bit. Um, yeah, I think he obviously fits this new level of quarterback. Um, he obviously has the dual threat ability. He's, he's a big, broad-framed kid. Um, I don't know. I mean, obviously his competition is worrisome. He played at Liberty. Um, you know, and he's going to be a guy that's going to have to really work for things. Could he be the next Justin Fields? Something like that. We'll see. Um, I think he could be a good player. I, I liked Matt uh, Corral as well. Um, is there a, a high level type of Trevor Lawrence player here? I don't think, um, but you know, that's, I, look, I also said, I didn't think Patrick Mahomes would be a good player. So, I, I, I mean, I've gotten great things, right. I've gotten some things totally wrong. So uh, yeah, I, I think Malik Willis could be interesting, um, but we'll see. I'm not enamored by anybody really. Last question here as we wrap it down. Uh, Sixers make the big trade for Harden, like you said. You're a Sixers guy. Where is this team going to end up when the season's said and done? Well, I I think obviously, I mean, it'd be, I mean, I think the, the thought at this point is finals are bust. I mean, you know, I think they immediately become, you know, right up there as the best team in the East. You know, obviously Brooklyn's going to have something to say about it. Milwaukee's going to have something to say about it. But, you know, this team for a long time hasn't had that go-to guy at the end of a game. You know, you, it seems like Tyrese Maxey's going to be the point guard of the future. You know, obviously James Harden's going to have that role, you know, kind of dictated. He'll be on the ball as well. And Tyrese might slide back to the two. You have a really good three defensive player in Matisse Thibel. You have a kid, whether you like him or hate him, and Tobias Harris that could still go out and get you 20. And you have – you know, the best center in the NBA and Joel Embiid, a superstar. They're deep. They've got some kids that come off the bench and give them some buckets. Um, I, You know, I'm, I would like to see them attack someone in the buyout market. I thought Goran Dragic might have made some sense. Um, you know, we'll see what they end up doing. Maybe Dennis Schroeder. I don't know. Um, I think they need another guard. And I would really – I'd feel really comfortable with this team if they went out and got another guard. If they could grab Goran Dragic, I'd be really happy with that. I just want a veteran guard, you know, an Eric Bledsoe type of player that you know, in the in the the guts of the game in, in the playoffs, he could come in and give you a bucket. He can dictate the action. I don't necessarily trust a lot of their bench players. Shake Milton, I don't trust. He's coming off an injury. Ferk and Korkmaz is hot or cold. I mean, Danny Green's lost. He's too worried about his podcast now. George Niang, I don't know, nice player. Paul Reed, I don't think he's uh, prep prep for the playoffs. 
they had a lot of young kids. They need to go out and get another guard. Um, I think I think a Drogic or a Schroeder. I mean, Schroeder would be best case scenario, but uh, we'll see. I think the buyout market needs to happen. But yeah, I think uh, you know I've never had outside of Allen Iverson, and he was a drafted player for them. They've never went out and did anything like this, so it, it's pretty it's pretty incredible. And uh, you know, it looks like James isn't going to play until after the All Star break. So um, you know, that night in Philly is going to be pretty electric uh, when when he finally does play. Well, I got to say thank you, man, for spending some time. I know you had a big show on the sit down on YouTube. Go check it out. Um, and also you're doing every single day, Monday through Friday. You're not only doing Bet US, uh, but also your Patreon page, um, which I, I've been a part of. And it, it taught me a ton about college basketball. Um, and, and you do it. You put it out there for the folks to see what they can you know what they're getting when they sign up with the big man every Saturday the last few weeks you've been putting out a, a game preview on every single game and I don't think there's but maybe four four or five a handful a handful of folks that could actually do that uh reasonably well um and you do a great man so I appreciate it and you know solid man you're doing you're doing great things I appreciate that. Yeah, I uh, I think the only person that actually does do it is uh, is Greg Peterson. But uh, yeah, I, look, there are people that want to do it. There, I think there are people that wish they could do it, but they just don't. So yeah, look, I, I try to just have fun with it, um, you know. And and you know, for me, sports betting is kind of a, a something that I always do. I think from a a content standpoint, I'm kind of getting to the point where I think it's just kind of watered down at this point, and. Um, I just try to get in where I fit in and, and try to try to have success with, with a couple of people. And I'm very happy with my life at this point. You know, I have, you know, I, I was blessed to have that fight. I made a good amount of money there and, you know, I'm able to kind of do what I want to do now. And, and, you know, leaving Barstow, I think a lot of people thought it was a weird decision, but it ended up kind of working out for me in a way. Um, I was able to start the sit down and, and that's, as you said, become a very big thing for me. And, you know, it's funny. I actually, uh, you know, I, I don't think that the Barstool thing is totally over forever. I, I think the sit down would do super well there. Um, we'll see if, you know, where, where it goes and what happens. But, uh, yeah, I'm pretty happy with everything that's went on, and, and we'll see where the future goes from here. Uh, one, one quick question there. You know, I get this all the time, and you brought up the fight. Um, it really – Jersey Jerry's really come into his own. For, for what he is, he is a character. Um, and I don't even think it's a character per se uh, at this point, but, you know, a lot of people ask me, you know, oh, you know, you know, Jeff, you, you've had him on, like, is, is he cool with, with like a guy like Jersey Jerry who got in the ring with, like, are, are you guys like, you know, I, I know you're not breaking bread every weekend, but are you guys cool? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't talk to Jerry really ever. We talked a little bit after the fight. Um, he was following me on Twitter for a while and then unfollowed me. I don't, I don't know what, what happened there, but look, I, uh, I think Jerry's a nice kid. I, I think ultimately we had some bad blood. You know, we obviously, um, he said some things, I said some things we sold the fight. And I think, you know, ultimately we, we did what we had to do. We both made money and we moved on. You know, I respect him at the end of the day, yeah, obviously he's been through some things in his personal life and he's been able to make it through. And, you know, I, I know for me, like I wasn't 
you know, I, I wasn't addicted to drugs or an alcoholic or something, but, you know, I had, you know, a different kind of addiction, I think at this point with, with my weight and I was able to get that under control. So I think I kind of get where he's coming from. I know he's doing some things with that now and um, he's trying to, you know, get into his own. I think he's found something and look good for him. You know, there are so many people at that company that, that don't do that, that they have, they kind of have this, this puss on where, you know, they're pissed off because they don't get promoted. And, you know, I always was taught when I was there to just go out and, and do the things you want to do. And, um, you know, I've kind of been able to, to create my own thing and, and you're good as if you put time into something and he's been able to do that as far as do we have a beef? No, no. I wish him the best. And, and I, and I, I don't know if I ever be friends with him, but I wish him the best. And um, I get that all the time with people like, uh, you know, it's, it's all that stuff and act and, and all that kind of thing. And you know, most of those people are pretty real. They, they pretty much act how they are. Now some put on an act and are fake, but uh, for the most part, you know, they're all pretty real. And uh, you know, Jerry seems to have found a, an in and uh, you know, good for him. Well, you know, the one way to maybe get in back with Barstool, you just whip behind noon at somebody's face. That seems to work. Well, out really well, you know, the thing for me is like, I don't, I, people never understand, but it's like, I don't need to get in there. I just look at what I'm doing and I feel like they would be very good for what I'm working on. Um, now I know, you know, Scott Bernstein, yeah. I, him and I are working on something behind the scenes. I've been involved with it for a while. Um, if it all works out and, and everything gets figured out, it's going to be a gigantic project that him and I, you know, are both looking at long-term and saying, you know, this could be it for us. This could be the big thing. So, you know, we, we, we always have things that are going on behind the scenes, but I just know the sit down needs to be somewhere. It needs, you know, just more people to hear it and that it's out there. And, um, you know, I feel like they could be someone that does it, but we'll see. You never know where the future goes and, and where I'll be next. So I just take it day by day and try to put out good content and people like it. Well, you do that. And if anything this year is anything like last year, uh, I mean, gosh, you might, may not be getting a house in AC. You might be uh, in, in Boca or something or move to Costa <laughs> well, Rica. Hey, listen, uh, if, if, if the thing with Scott works out that we're working on, I, I might just, I might just do that. I might have to. Actually. <laughs> you might well, have to. We'll I, I know him. He's, 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 uh, last time I talked to him, he's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm working with Stallone. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, wow. Well, name drop. <laughs> well, yeah, we're, we're working on, um, and it's, it's interesting because if you ever talk to him, he'll tell you that, you know, I was the one that put the individual we're trying to work with in contact with him because I know this individual and now it's becoming a big thing and it's got investors and all sorts of things. So, yeah, I mean, Scott's always got something going on. Obviously I have stuff going on and, you know, if we can help each other out and, and make something happen and, and get something big going, that's, that's what matters most. So yeah, Scott's a good guy and he's uh he's real smart when it comes to the media stuff. So. Well, you're a smart dude in yourself. Follow the big man on campus, Jeffrey Nadu. We're going to come back after this short break. We're going to try and make Jeff proud of us and, and talk responsibly about some college basketball tomorrow. Hope you stick around. We'll be back after this short break. What's going on? It's Matt Bernier from the Matt Bernier Show, part of the In The Money Media Network. Be sure to join us every Monday, occasionally Tuesdays, but for the most part, every Monday, however you listen to your podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's YouTube, 
you name it, you can find it a million different places, including in the money podcast.com. It's the Matt Burner, your show, anything and everything to do with the world of horse racing. All right, everybody, welcome back in. It is uh, time to go over the picks for tomorrow's card. I'm joined by my co-host, the guy on this ride. He is the host of Red War Rewind, the great Spencer Luganville. Spencer, I gave you Hartford and you spit in my face. How are you? Listen, you spit in my face by saying... Jack Reacher was not going to be one of the greatest TV shows you ever saw. Jack, so. it, Jack, it's not one of the greatest I've ever seen. It's very enjoyable, though. Let's call it. Let's call a spade a spade. Let's call us even. Uh, hope I sound all right over here. For some reason, my uh, ancient PTF Rolodex of a laptop uh, has an error showing for Zoom. So we're on my phone. Got that bad boy on the charger. Looking forward to some really fun games this week. And you know, it was a super super enjoyable weekend. Just you know. Obviously, Valentine's Day on Monday, we didn't have the podcast, but just got to spend some extra time around with the familia. So looking forward to talking some good old NCAA college hoops. Yeah, let's hop right into it. Uh, a nice card. This is a very nice card. And it was, I've got four picks. You've got three. Um, I, I'm going to start off, though, with uh, Furman, Western Carolina, going to the SoCon. I'm going all mid-majors because I love some of these matchups. Furman, I think you're going to get a good price because they've had a tough road. But you look at this tough road. Look, you, uh, UNC Greensboro, really great defense. They press the hell out of you, take you out of what you want to do. A loss to Chattanooga. Chattanooga's the best team in this conference. Uh, a, a, a very, very minuscule loss to Eastern Tennessee State. And at home, the Buccaneers can still play a little bit. Um, not, not a horrible team in the, in the SOCON. I think Furman going up against Western Carolina, I think you're going to get something approximating what you saw against Citadel a few weeks ago, 102.83. You know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't stop you from betting the over, but I think Furman's going to be a ton of value. Uh, and you're probably going to get nine, 10 points here. I, I'm, I'm going to lay the points. I, I really like Furman here. Western Carolina plays no defense. So that's where I'm going to start off. It is a 7 p.m. game. Spencer, where are you going first? Let's go Patriot League. Let's go with a team from the very first podcast we did there. I'm going to go with Colgate against Army. Listen, the line on Ken Palm is five. If it's any higher, I don't know if the lines are even out yet for tomorrow. I would be a little bit scared of it and maybe even play it more live and see how Army does. Colgate's number one in pretty much every single thing you think of in conference. They are the number one defense for three-point and two-point percentage. They have the number one effective field goal against Army's defense, which is 10th, which is terrible. They have the second-best defensive efficiency Colgate does. If the line goes any higher, I would be a little bit scared, and this is why. Colgate's 12-12 and 12 on the year ATS. Army is 8-3 and three in their last 11 home games. They're 6-0 in their last six against a winning record, a winning team with a winning record. Don't let a team like Army, who maybe they don't look that good on paper, but these sneaky teams, when those, you know, it becomes three or four possession games, they can sneak in backdoor cover. And then Colgate doesn't care if they win by, you know, 
whatever, if the line gets up to eight, they don't care if they win by, you know, six or seven, but that's the way you can cover with Army. So I like this line at five. If it's any higher, I'd be a little bit nervous. Colgate's got some stuff. I mean, they're 5-1 ATS, their last six road games, but they are 2-6 and six last eight road games against teams with a winning home record. That's what makes me a little bit nervous for how good Army is at home. But like I said, Colgate has just so many different just ways they can win. Army's defense isn't bad, though. They are number three in efficiency in the Patriot League. But when you're 10th in effective field goal against the number one, and that team has such a good defense, it just makes me very nervous to see how Army will play. But if it's close and there's a big spread, you know, Army can cover, I think, this pretty easily. Furman, by the way, uh, given 13 on the road, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with 13. I, I wouldn't bet it past 15, 16. Wouldn't pe- bet it past that, but 13 is fair. Um, no lineup on Colgate. I'm going to go to a double dip in the whack. And one thing I've noticed in the whack uh, is that road teams do not travel well. And that's something that's become apparent. Two games here, Stone Cold, Stephen F. Austin. And Stone Cold's coming back. We can break that on this podcast. Stone Cold is coming back. He's going to wrestle. He's going to wrestle one more match. Um, so Stone Cold, Stephen F. Austin, laying 19 at home against Chicago State. I think Chicago State is the one team that's so out of place in the whack. They're out in Chicago. Teams traveling there have an issue. When Chicago has to make that road trip, they don't travel. Um, I think SFA laying 19 is a fair bet. And also, I'll add in as a double dip, Dixie State heading towards uh, New Mexico State. New Mexico State won this game uh, by about nine last time out. Uh, There's no line on it. The over-under is 144 um, right now currently. but no line, which is weird, whatever. But same principle applies. New Mexico State plays hella good defense. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is a game where Dixie had 71 possessions. New Mexico State turned the ball over 18 times. I mean, it was horrific. But I chalk it up to a bad game. Dixie State... Since then, you know, they're coming off a big win against Grand Canyon. I mean, that's huge in the whack. Um, but I think traveling to New Mexico State, teams traveling in the whack, you generally want to take the home team. Um, I'm going to be looking to uh, take the points or lay the points, I should say, with New Mexico State and the Aggies. Uh, Spencer, what do you got? Let me go over to the Big Ten now. I talk about one of your favorite teams, Rockers. Oh, this is Jesus. why the Warriors this, of the Raritan. This is why we kind of talk just about Army. If you're playing, you know, straight up, this game is probably for the fight in the line. I the line is four, possibly four and a half. We'll see where the line goes. Rockers six and one at home last seven for trends. Four and zero ATS last four. They're twelve and two at home overall. The fight in the line, I have already beaten them this year. They're a top 25 offense of defensive efficiency. They're number one Big Ten defense, and they're second best in offensive rebounds. The line's four. To me, it's just the line I have already beaten Rutgers, but there's something special 
about Rutgers at home. Me and you had this long discussion a couple podcasts ago with an over-under. The last 10, the Fighting Illini, 7-3. They're only 3-7 and seven ATS. Last 10 for Rutgers, 6-4, six 6-4 and four, six and four ATS. They're 8-5, eight 8-5-1 and five AT, eight, five and one ATS at home. Give me the points with Rutgers. This is the type of game where maybe even if you can find a nice little teaser, you can tease them up even more a little bit just in case we see some of that sloppy rebounding. Don't, them don't bet teaser. Okay. I, this is the second week, and I'm going to stop you right here. Don't bet teasers in college basketball. Don't bet teasers in college basketball. It, it, it's a no-sum win. Can't do it. In football, there is some value. I'll give you a teaser in football. Teasers in college basketball, no go. All right, you, hear, you heard it here first, folks. Just take Rutgers then. Hoping that they can keep the uh, the home winning streak and the streak four, overall. Four and a half is plenty good. You know, if you want to buy a couple points, have that. But like a, a four or six point teaser, it just destroys your value. And like if you look at some of the some of the uh, games tonight, Spencer, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Akron, Western Michigan. Western Michigan's horrific. Akron's a nine-point favorite. You tease that, they lose out right by four. Longwood, destroying the Big South. Only win by four against High Point. They were nine-point favorites. What are you teasing that to? Uh, you know, it, those are just food for thought type things, but I, I think they – I think it matters, to be honest. I, I, I just – I hate teasers in college basketball. I won't play them. Last thought real quick, and we'd already talked – you know, I said how they're 4-0 ATS their last four, that being Rutgers. Do you know what their last three wins are and how big that is? And now I'll ask you this question as well. Is Rutgers on the bubble? Do they get in 15-9? You just you just want to throw salt in the wound. I do you a just, little bit. Hey, here's all I'm going to tell you. Just take a look at Kenneth Walker waving high to all the Rutgers fans as he's going in for a 98-yard touchdown run, Okay. Just play that. Re- repeat that. Repeat Jalen Naylor. What? Uh, give give but us no, your last Rutgers, two. Rutgers to me, you know, and, and Jeff, Jeff said this earlier in the show. Look, you, you can't lose to Lafayette. You can't lose to DePaul. You can't lose mm-hmm. to UMass. And those losses are going to really hamper them. I mean, they literally need to have, they need to win out. I mean, they're they're losing yeah. and die, and turn into an NIT I mean, team. Let's say they lose one or two more, but make a nice run to the conference final. It doesn't matter. I don't think so. I th- I think okay. more than likely they're an NIT team, and if they get in the NIT and they're at home at the rack until they get the MSG, I mean, there's some value. I mean, I'll I'll bet some NIT games. Okay. Do they have futures for the NIT? I don't even know. No, no, because nobody knows who's going to be in the NIT. That's fair. That's a fair point. Um, All right, you got you got two more for us, too. Let's. Uh, let's well, I got one more because you know I, I feel like I deserve I deserve to get it to the the patrons here of games that have lines as we're recording. Mm-hmm. This game doesn't have a line. North Alabama. Eastern Kentucky, North Alabama, I don't know where their defense has gone, but Eastern Kentucky plays with such a pace. Uh, I think Eastern Kentucky wins this easily. 
the colonels uh, come through in the ASUN action and, and just dismantle North Alabama. They're, as, they're at home. Um, I'm fine with laying single digits. Uh, I, I would definitely do that, even though Eastern Kentucky's horrific. They are horrific defensively. Um, this is a team that's going to give up a ton of points. But when they play bad defenses or or bad offenses, I should say, mm-hmm. they can win. And I think they do that here against North Alabama. Uh, I'll give you a game that does have a line. Minus 29 and a half, the Zags <laughs> taking on Pepperdine. Pepperdine's right there with Pacific in terms of being horrific in the West Coast Conference. Um, I, you know, we saw what Gonzaga did to Pacific, beat them by like 38. Mm-hmm. I think they do something similar here. Pepperdine has no match on any level against Gonzaga. I think it's another easy win. If you can get 29 and a half, 30, I'd take it all day, every day. Give me the Zags. Last game for me, going to the A-10, one of my favorite conferences, was supposed to be like a very interesting conference this year with Richmond and St. Bonaventure. That's not the case with teams like Davidson doing pretty well themselves. Hey, the, Bonn- the Bonnies, I don't know if you know this, but the Bonnies, they, they just swept St. Louis. That was a I hell know. of a game against St. Louis uh, I know. up there at the Riley Sunday, Center. Sunday, Saturday? But they, you they know what? Like I'll tell you, too, right? It was the, it was kind of back to back as well, right? Uh, somewhat. But I I tell you, the Bonnies, after watching them, they looked they in periods they looked unbeatable. Osinasui, uh, was mm-hmm. just dunking on everybody, dunking on everybody. I mean, poster, poster after poster. But I mean, St. Louis was still able to come back. And it's like they just disappear for stretches at a time. I'm very worried about this Bonaventure team. Uh, it's a lot better on paper than what it is in reality. So keep that in mind come tournament time. But Spencer, sorry to cut you off. Go ahead. No, no. So George Mason, St. Joseph's, we'll look at just pretty much the conference stats right off the rip. Number three in efficiency is George Mason, 107.9 points per 100 possessions 55 percent they're shooting effective field goal that's number one in the conference listen their offensive rebounding is not that good so maybe they don't get as many second chance points this line is only two and it's i believe minus two towards george mason st joseph's listen they're ninth in efficiency they're eighth in efficiency on defense their fifth effective field goal but they're going to turn the ball over a ton they can't rebound either It, it just to me this is the type of game where it's a short, you know, it's kind of hard. Do you take the money line at like a minus 140 or do you take points? For me, I think it's kind of a little mixture of both because you don't want to get beat on points either. For me, I'll take the money line here with George Mason. I believe it's 145. Just some quick trends. George Mason's 4-0 ATS against good home teams. They're 5-0 their last five road games against teams with a winning record. Overall, out of conference, they are a top 100 team in effective efficiency and 20 or effective their adjusted offensive efficiency and top 25 effective field goal. To me, this feels like just George Mason, but in case of some weird 
field goal shootout at the end. Just take take zero points, take the money line. All righty. Uh, Spencer, we got cracking on uh, Red Board Rewind this week. About to uh, download it now and edit it up. Me and Clay Sanders talk a little bit of his home track, Oakland Park. Clay, definitely one of my top five guests on there, really knows his stuff. And we kind of break down the condition book, which not a lot of people know. He kind of gives you that deep dive inside for one of his fillies in the barn right now for 10 strike racing. Super interesting on how they, you know, look instead of going for allowance races, they're going to try her in a stake possibly. And it's just interesting when you kind of talk about class drops on there, just the difference in what the owner and, you know, owners are talking about when it comes to where what, uh, put a horse in a race. So super excited to get that up. Should be up in the next hour or two. Beautiful. And uh, this will be up shortly can't thank you enough as always joining in every single week shout out to my guy big man on campus jeff nadu uh coming through and and being gracious with his time folks we're gonna see you we may have a, a little horses running in circles podcast we may have that coming for you working on that this week but if not next week we got some Wonderful guests lined up as usual because that's what I do. I bring that heat, bring that fire. I'm that Randy Johnson type pitcher. Uh, so stay tuned. Until then, for Spencer, for Jeff, I am Stu. We're signing off until next time.